Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Today's message is going to be one of the most important messages you've ever heard in your life. I believe that today's message is about an area that, that, that literally keeps people from fulfilling and operating in their highest calling and destiny with God. And it's the area of fear. And believe me, when we get in this area, a lot of guys start getting all, you know, macho. And they they start thinking, well, I'm not scared. I'm not fearful and all that. And they operate in fear almost every day. See, it's called macho fear. It's the inability to share what you believe in, the ability to stand for what's right, and you zip the lip because you're afraid. And guys can't stand to hear it. They'd rather hear, I'm not afraid of a bug. That's what they want to see. But you are operating in fear if you can't be able to communicate courageously about things that you hold, hold in your heart as truth. You're fearful. And we're going to break this stuff. We're going to break it because we're going to look at what this causes in our lives and what it stops us from operating in what the highest things that God wants us to be a part of. So you want to level up in life? We've got to get rid of fear. We cannot have fear operating in our lives. And I'm going to get some, you're going to see it and it's going to be a beautiful picture for you. All right, so First of all, like I like to do, I like to get in the natural. Let's throw it in the natural. Let's look at the negative aspects of fear. Let's throw it on the table and say, I don't want this. All right? Very simple because, see, before we get to the spiritual thing, I'd rather have you convinced, like, I don't want that type of life. I don't want it. I don't want this life. And that's just, you know, that's like, you know, revealing things in your heart, things to you concerning foods that are killing you. And all of a sudden, you're like going, I didn't know that. And you're looking at this, you're going, oh, man, I got to start doing something about it. Exactly. That's what we should be doing in life. Finding out what's affecting us in a negative and getting it out. Getting it out. So we're going to look at some common sense uh, information and, and spiritual insight to make us winners in this area. All right. So we're going to look at what is these are what studies have shown as far as the physical damage of being a person that's operating in fear. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you walk around a corner and something pops out of you and go, ah, that I'm not talking about that. All right. At all. That happens. But that doesn't mean that you're operating in, in, in a life of fear. But on the other hand, I've seen people. Ah, all the time about everything. That is a life of fear. Do you understand that? Okay, so let's look at this in the physical damage of what fear does. Fear weakens the immune system. It causes heart problems, stomach problems, uh, ulcers. It decreases fertility. It leads to accelerated aging and even premature death. Fear. Hey, I want some fear. You know what psychiatrists try to do? Try to convince you that fear is okay. Why would they do that when these studies prove that fear is not okay? See, this is the dilemma of the world. They want to reveal stuff, but they also want you to hold on to things that can keep control over your life. And so they want you to stay in fear. Why? Because they got greater control. The, the more fear you have, the less less empowered you are in life. You want someone else to make decisions for you. Are you guys hearing me? Man, we ain't going to live that life. I mean, we're created in the, in the image of likeness of God for a purpose. He's got destiny planted in our lives. Our DNA is let's do big. So let's get on with this. Amen. In the area of mental damage, fear impairs formation of long-term memories causes damage to certain parts of the brain. It produces chronic anxiety, phobias, mood swings, produces inability to love. Is that crazy? Fear. People have, people have problems in relationships and they're all fearful. There's your answer. 
This is crazy stuff. It gives a life of helplessness, no hope, social separation, lack of ability to concentrate, increases risk of drug and alcohol addiction. That's what fear does. Man, I'm telling you already, check one, I ain't going to do it anymore. Check two, I for sure ain't going to do it anymore. Spiritual damage. Ready? People that live fearfully or have fear operating in their lives start having bitterness toward God, confusion or disgust toward God, loss of trust in God, and listen to this, despair because of perceived loss of their spiritual life. It's like, you, you, no matter what, you, you're, you're messing up your life in the area of the spiritual because of fear. Isn't that crazy? So these three studies, and I'm talking about, this is multiplied studies. This just isn't one, I Googled one and found one. This is just consistent studies of the dangers of having a life of fear. Now, we all know that's a natural principle, correct? Certainly is, but that means there's a spiritual truth. If it's a natural principle, and what do I mean by natural principle? Well, it's, it's the same way here as it is in Chile, or is that as in Russia or China? It's the same principle no matter what country you go to. That is a natural principle. That means there is spiritual truth that preceded that. And once you understand the spiritual truth, then the natural brings in line of, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I get it, all right? So we don't want to operate in fear in our lives. Everybody agree with that? Okay, we've got to destroy fear once and for all. The Bible shows us that fear is um, spiritual. Now, the problem with this is the word spirit, we turn into a Christianese word. So I'm telling you right now, I probably most of you right now believe this way. We always think, now we think it's a demonic spirit. And it's not at all. And it's not even communicated in scripture in that way. Now, does the enemy operate in this area of attack? 100%, 100%. But the devil isn't a boogeyman. He's not going around going, oh, ah, trying to scare you, all right? But he is trying to get you to operate in this area of fear. And this area of fear comes from, majority of times, us. In our past, in today, or in the future. The devil isn't sitting there messing with us. We mess with ourselves more than the devil ever will. You guys hear me? This is important to understand. It, it's so easy to go with the devil. It's the devil. But when we start looking close to home, what does that mean? That means we've got to start taking care of business. Before I could point fingers, devil, devil, devil. Now I can't point fingers at him. Now I've got to do something about it, right? Yes, I am. I'm going to do something about it. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us nuema. Nuama. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Nuama. A fear meaning this emotion of anxiety or terror. God has not given us a spirit meaning that when you look at this word, it's this area of the soul. It's not physical, he's saying. This isn't a physical thing. This is the area up here that, that affects behavior. It's the mindset. You guys hear this? Because again, it's not a, there's a demon fear. Everybody on this planet deals with fear. We all got demons? Are you guys hearing me? No. So once you start looking at it correctly, then you go, okay, now we're making it clear of what this is. 
Well, the first thing I'm being told by God is, it ain't come from me. All right, so I gotta, I gotta pay attention to that because why is he telling us this? You ever do that when you read the Bible? You ought to be doing this. Why is he telling me? God has not given me a spirit of fear. Why is he talking to me that way? Because that's what people are believing. That's what they're saying to one another. And they're communicating that to Paul. Paul, God, God gave me a spirit of fear. I'm so scared. It's that we were going through all this stuff in this world and people want to kill us and, and all we want to do is love Jesus and they want to kill us and, and, and God gave me a spirit of fear. That's what they're doing. And Paul said, no, no, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But I'll tell you what he gave you. I love the word of God. God is never going to leave you hanging. You're out on a cliff and God's like going, okay, I hope you feel comfortable. He ain't going to do that. My God don't work that way. The religious one, opinionized one, does, but my God in the Bible does not work that way. He's gonna bring security and safety in my life first, and then he's gonna bring revelation. Remember Peter? He'd be walking on water. All of a sudden, he took his eyes off Jesus, the source, the, the source of that promise, and started looking at what? The thing that was always there. It was already always there. The storm didn't stop and it was glass water. And Peter goes, man, that looks simple. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come on this smooth, glassy water. He didn't do that, did he? In the midst of the waves, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of, of, of the wind and the storm and everything. And Jesus is, Jesus is going like this. Because he's on there. He's, on, he's, not, he's not getting wet. He's on top of the, the water in the storm. Peter's like going, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come and I'll, I'm going to come. He gets out of the boat, gets on the water, and walks on water. The storm didn't stop, people. We'd be wanting God stop everything and let the supernatural come forth. It's not how it works. I'm giving you Bible truths to help you right now. You want to see some supernatural? See the supernatural. But quit waiting for everything to calm before it happens. Every big thing I've had happen in my life, I mean, miracle. It was a warfare of, of, of am I going to believe? It wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. Sometimes there was pain involved. But the supernatural comes, and all of a sudden, the storms calm. But not before. Not before. Jesus picks, Peter gets his eyes off, starts sinking. Jesus picks him up. Storm's still going on, people. Storm's still happening. Get in the boat, calms the storm. We need to pay attention to what's in the Bible, don't we? we need, I said we need to pay attention to what's in there. Why? Because then we don't get these freaky ideas of how this stuff is supposed to work. Some of you are in some storms right now. Right now. But you want me to come in and go, it's okay. Everything will calm down, and then you can start believing God. Are you kidding me? In the midst of the storm, there's hope for you. In the midst of the storm, there's security for you. In the midst of the storm, there's walking on water for you. Whose eyes, who, who are you going to keep your eyes on? That's what this is about. Are y'all hearing me? All right. So he says, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but what I have given you, what you have given us is power, dunamis, force, ability. That's not a tangible thing. It's empowered within me. Then he says what? He says, power, love, agape, God kind of love. Where? Working in me. That's not, tan that's not a natural thing. It's, it's, it's this, this spirit of love within me. The power with me, not natural, it's within me. The, the, the God love, it's in me, it's in me. And then he says, a sound mind. That's not a natural, that's my mind having the ability to think correctly. 
Sound meaning disciplined, a secure mind. So when I look at life and I'm like, ah, that ain't from God. What's from God is for me to go stop that nonsense. Stand strong. Quit freaking out because other people are freaking out. Come on. Get hold of yourself, Daniel. Let's do this thing. I got to talk to myself. I got to tell myself the truth. I said, I got to tell myself the truth. The, the storm ain't the truth. The word of God is the truth. Are you guys hearing me? My goodness. Power, love, sound mind. Those are abilities to overcome fear. I want you to know the word. I want you to quit reading it. I want you to know it. When you look at this scripture, when you look at these words, I need you to read for reflection. Read for definition. Because that's what you, they're going to define what they feel, what they think. You know, God's a murderer. He killed Aunt Bertha. She was a good woman, but he killed her. They're going to give you opinions and try to convince you that that doctrine's right. And it's not right. God is not a stealer. He doesn't kill. He doesn't murder. He doesn't destroy. Why? Because I read this saying and it reveals who does. Devil steal, kill, and destroys. And then as God is my brothers and sisters, since we're in church, as God is, he, he just stopped there. Isn't that awesome? But I have come. He didn't even have to do that. All he had to say is, now the devil's mean, nasty, no good. And that's it, but he doesn't. Why? Because God is never going to produce this picture without building us up with understanding of how to overcome the negative. He lays it down. The devils come only to steal, kill, and destroy. What have I come to do? I have come. I have come to give life and life more abundantly. You can't box that word up. You can't define it as it's for your spiritual life. You can't. He's talking about life. And that's what we do here at Love Life. When I'm up here, get this straight. Get it right in here. It's about your Monday. It ain't about this Sunday church. It's about your Monday. When you wake up and you're ready to go into that world out there. That's what it's about. And it'll always about, be about your Monday. Everybody got that? It's, it's information that's going to help you on Monday. Some of you got to go through that commute. Oh, I know what those commutes are like. You can lose salvation in those commutes. All right, moving right along. So most, one thing we have to understand is when it comes to fear, and, and like I said, I, we don't want the mindset, you know, this mindset of I, I'm just so fearful I must be demon-possessed, or I'm so fearful there must be demonic oppression. Do you understand? That is, that is crazy lack of understanding of Scripture. Now, don't get me wrong. You can have, you open the door to a lifestyle of fear, you can open the door to more demonic influence. No doubt. No doubt. And that's usually, that's usually established like an oppression up here in your mind. But it's not being possessed. All right? In other words, you lose your will because you've been possessed by another a Christian cannot be possessed. And I know you got religious people, you want to argue that point. Well, you can argue it as long as you want. No devil is getting inside you when Jesus, when God is in you, greater is he that is in you. Can you imagine God in you going, oh, come on in? As a, 
I'm going to prove my point. You know I'm going to, but please, just common sense. I mean, some of us lose common sense because of, you know, the, the churchy mindset. We become this goofy person instead of grounded. You look at most Christians and you don't see character. I believe when you're walking in this, you're going to see character. You're going to see people with integrity, not freaks or losers or just goofy people. This word creates a, a, a well-rounded, and I'm not talking about weight, a well-rounded person. You're grounded, you're stable. Come on. But fear happens subconsciously. Now remember, when you receive Jesus, your life doesn't all of a sudden, I'm talking about living life, not what took place in the area of the spiritual part. I'm talking about the life we live in the area of the soul, physical life here on earth, okay? What I want you to understand is when it comes down to being born again, you don't lose that old mindset. It's all there. Every way you acted, every reason why you choose the way you choose, behave the way you behave is there. It doesn't go away at all unless you do what the Word of God says. And what the Word of God says is now, once you are born again, once you've had your, your spirit come alive with God and you're one with him and you have this new identity, now he says, I need you to take your mind and renew it, Romans 12, 2. And the process of the renewing of the mind is taking out old and putting in new. Guess what? Psychiatrists and psychologists years ago found out that that is a principle of how you change. You can't, you can't break a habit, period. You have to break a habit with a habit. You guys hear that? That's why when people, you know, have, uh, are going through an addiction, they get free from addiction, the tendency is they go right into some other addiction. Why? Because that's, that's how we are. So you have to create a new addiction, right? A good one. Right? Good one. You got to create a new habit. A good one. A good one. But that's how we're created. Everybody understand that? We're created that way. So when you, when you look at what we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be changing how we think, how we process thought. The number one problem in, and, and this is so clear, the number one problem in, quote, the Christian faith is there's an identity crisis in each person. They don't know the new them. They have an identity problem, a value problem. They don't see themselves as worthy, worthy. They don't see themselves valuable. And you never will, unless you start changing that old information to the new information. And all of a sudden, that new information does what the scripture says. It metamorphosis, which is metamorphosis, goes the transition of caterpillar to butterfly. That's exactly what God's trying to show you. This new information will go through a process. Everybody say process. Say it again. Process. It doesn't happen to, okay, new thought. I'm different. A, 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 a caterpillar doesn't happen in a couple seconds to a butterfly. There's a process. So what we do is we process. We go through the transformation from this information to I believe. Natural principle, spiritual truth. How does every child on this planet, no matter where they're born, how do they grow in knowledge? Do we teach them one plus one on day one? And then day two, we're going into two plus two. And day three, you're going to four plus four. And day five, we're going to eight plus eight. And day six, we're going to, is that what we do, people? Each day, we go up higher levels. Is that what we do? Or we just stay on one plus one for quite a few weeks? 
We got to throw in some dogs. We got to throw in some little cars. We got to throw in some dollies, whatever. And we got to go through that over and over and over. Why? Because I am learning something new that I've never known before. And the process, no matter where I'm born, is exactly the same. Natural principle, spiritual truth. Our lives are this way. Except we quit, we give up because of Christianese. I'm church now, it should happen automatically, right away. No, it isn't. And I know there's a, just this prevalent mindset of, yeah, it's just God's gonna wave on and it's all gonna work. And, it, it, and the concept is, it's God's gonna do it and God will change you, God will fix you. You know, that's not scriptural, but that's what we do. We sing a million songs like that, waiting on God to do it. And God's like going, I already did it. I already did everything. You just need to hook up to my plan. You've been forgiven. You're set free. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. What else does he need to tell you to get busy with his will? But I can't. Why? Because I wasn't brought up that way. I quit. It's too hard. I'll never. I won't. You all know what I'm saying is true. And then I bring it into this faith. And since it ain't working right away, I start making new doctrine to align with what I experience. I've been guilty of that. I wish I didn't have to do that. I wish I could say, man, I had this all together day one. But I don't. Sometimes I'm, I'm embarrassed of some things I say because I knew I used to do that a long time ago. But my heart has always been, your will. My heart saves me. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, it saves me a lot. And my heart from day one has always been 100% all in, period, with God. Nothing but that. And because of that, I've had my journeys had, you know, my time of charisma, my time of Bible colleges. I've been through this journey. I've not, I'm not a novice in here. I've been doing it for a long time. I just look good for my age. But I have been doing it for a long time. And I know what I'm talking about. I've lived it. My wife's lived it. My family's lived it. Many of you have lived it. You're, you guys are like, my testimonies of what I've been teaching is true. I just need a bunch of you to start getting bolder with this stuff. This church should be crazy on fire for this awesome God we serve. Not, not lunatic, weird crazy, but just crazy in love with Jesus mindset, right? Amen. So what happens is subconsciously we, we have that little voice, that little voice going, I don't know, it's scary. That little voice says, well, remember, you know, years back what happened? Little voice says, you know, hey, how many times have you tried and failed? That little voice says, you know, you better listen to them. You know, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's that, there's that subconscious that is always trying to drive fear in your life. Man, a pastor says we need to get hooked up. We need to get involved. I'm going to do that. And then later on, that voice starts talking to you. Why are you going to do that? They don't really want you. You're not even good enough to be in church. It just starts, as it starts driving your life to quit. And we gotta, callate, silence that thing. Amen? Tell that fear to shut up. Fear is deception that produces mental turmoil. 1 John 4.18. Fear involves torment. What does fear involve? Torment. That's mental torment. That's what fear involves. This word involves literally means it's its ability. This is what it possesses. Fear possesses torment. My God, I don't want none of you. I don't want none of you living a life of fear. I just gave you three areas of how it's affecting your life in a negative it totally destroys the identity that God has given you through Jesus. You just don't understand how powerful of a person you are. I have seen hundreds and hundreds of transformations since 
God started this church years ago. Hundreds, thousands of people that come in, timid, fearful, quiet, whatever, and just, just no understanding of what God has in them. And through the process of hearing the word and hearing God's word brought to them a way that says, you know what, this is for me. And see the transformation happen over and over and over again. So I know this ain't fake. It's real. It happens. And it happens over and over again. And I want to see all of you recognizing that. And do not think that I'm talking about being some crazy ah, person. Because I'm not. I'm talking about being secure, grounded, and founded in God's word. You don't have to scream or yell at people. You just know that you know here. You know what's right. And you're not afraid of it. Amen? Amen. All right. We defeat fear. I'm going to give you three points. Number one, we must know it's not from God. Okay? God says, I didn't give it to you. All right? That's number one. Know it's not from God. Number two, we know it brings destruction, spirit, soul, and body. It's not good. We already know. Right? Right? It's not from God. And it brings physical destruction, mental destruction, spiritual destruction. Do you see anything beneficial from fear right now? I don't. First and foremost, God says, I didn't give it to you. Secondly, natural principles, it destroys your life. And then through the whole scripture, there's scripture after scripture that God says, don't fear. Don't fear. He's not saying, hey, I got a good suggestion. In the Hebrew and the Greek, it's a command. It's emphatic. Don't fear. Now, why is God saying that? Because he loves you so much. Because he loves you so much. Don't fear. Number three, we know that God has given us abilities to destroy fear in our lives. Love, power, sound, mind. Right? Okay, so if God didn't give it to me, and I see that it brings destruction, and then God gives me abilities to overcome it, well, those are the three keys I need to understand right off the bat, right? Isn't that true? All right. So how do we accomplish these things? Well, to do anything, what's the first thing to do to, in the area of knowledge? To build knowledge. And Jesus uses the principle of, of the analogy of a house. He says, if you want the house to stand through all kinds of terrible you got to build a foundation, correct? All right, so th that picture is, is priority one with me because I can give you points. I can give you steps. I can give you truths, but it's got to be built on a foundation. I need you to have a foundation of understanding and that we go, all right, okay, I can do this, right? Isn't that what we do? All right, let's get to the foundation. This is the most important truth. Ready? God is with you. Number one foundation. That foundation just, just, it goes beyond what any other information I could get. Because right now, in my understanding, in my knowledge of what I have right now, I know he's with me, that God is with me, and he's never going to leave me, ever. There's nothing out there that can overcome God in me. Nothing. I'll give you some scriptures, but I just want you to understand. That's my foundation. I know it's many of yours, but some of you, you need to get it. And here we go. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God. You have overcome. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I'm going to tell you right now, God ain't no liar. The word isn't lying. The greater one lives in you. Boom. I'll give you another one. Romans 8, 10. If Christ is in you, have you received Jesus as your Lord? Have you accepted Jesus? Christ is in you. Are you with me? And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That's in you. Woo. Ephesians 4, 6. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all talking about the church. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? Do you know that Greek word literally means he moved in permanently, 
one-way ticket with U-Haul. Having the U-Haul, one-way ticket. God drives up into your house and says, this is where I stay. I'm landing right here. Hallelujah. That's so cool. Let's move on. John 17, 21. Jesus is, is communicating this to his disciples and us all, that they might all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Everything about God, everything about the Lord Jesus, everything about the Holy Spirit is saying, we're going to be together. We're going to be together. We are going to be together. And it freaks people out because there's you, and then there's that real you. There's you, and there's that real you. The real you is where God's at, where you're born again, where you're one with the Father, where you and the Lord Jesus Christ, you literally died with him, was buried with him, rose again with him, seated with him. That's what the word says. That's, that's the real you. But in front of that, that all messy thing is that other you. That other you that's like going, man, we fought all the way to the church and he's there. And I did what I shouldn't have done and showed that person a finger what I shouldn't have showed him in the traffic this morning on a Sunday and he's with me. And that's what we do. The, the, the you, the other you, is a mess. You know what helped me get over that? Because I had a problem with that. How can God be in me? There's no in the world I'm perfect. There's no in the world I'm super spiritual. There's no in the world that I can do anything good for longer than an hour. And that's what my life was. And I'm sitting there going, how in the world can he be with me and in me? If I was him, I'd be out after 20 minutes. Are you guys hearing me? I mean, it literally freaked me out quite a bit. But see, I didn't know. I didn't know the word of God. I didn't understand what happened at the cross. I didn't know anything. I just knew this is a new life and I'm ready to get whatever I'm supposed to get. But you create all this, quote, knowledge based on your experience, your feelings, your opinions. That's not even how we learn. Can you imagine going to a place, you know, they're looking for, you know, we're hiring computer scientists. We're, we're also hiring engineers. And you go in there and go, I like the job here. I heard it pays good. And they go, well, certainly show us your resume. I go, I don't need no resume. I just feel I can do it. I had the feeling. And it feels good to know that I'm going to get a check for doing this work. And they're like going, well, do you know anything? It doesn't matter. I got my opinions. Now, see, the natural, you're going to go, get out of here. But how we get this way in the spiritual? How we get so stupid? How we do this? Because religion has created this ability to box this information away from the real information. It's robbed. It's stolen. It's destroyed. Countless millions of lives. And it's continuing to do so. You know why those wars, the wars and wars are going on? A religious, religious mindsets, beliefs, doctrines. And it'll continue to be this way because that's what this stuff is. It's nasty. It's devilish. And you know what Jesus said? It's nasty. It's devilish. You know what Jesus says? This is of your father, the devil. Religion. And he was talking about the people that operate in the temple, that bring forth sacrifices to God Almighty. He's telling them, you ain't even sons of God. You're sons of the devil. You're whitewashed tombstones. This is how Jesus, our Lord and Savior, talked to that nasty stuff. Why? Because it destroys and kills. And this is what's happening. Without understanding, God word understanding, truth understanding, we get manipulated by this stuff. What helped me to recognize the truth is this understanding. 
I realized that I got a lot of issues I got to deal with. A lot of things need to be changed. A lot of things need to be fixed. But I know one thing. Christ died for me while I was a sinner. He loved me while I was messed up. So if I'm going to convince myself of anything, it's this. It had nothing to do with me being good or doing good. It had everything to do with he loves me. So I know I have a problem. I can act a fool. I can act dumb. I can make mistakes. But I know one thing, because I got a foundation in this. Christ is in me. God says, I will come in there. I will never, ever, ever leave you. And I will never, ever forsake you. And the reason why I say it that way is that's how the Greeks say it. It's a, de- a double negative. It's, if you want to say it the way the Greek, I will know not never. I will know not never leave you. I will know not never forsake you. Please. I mean, God's not, he doesn't even mess around with, hey, I'm not going to leave. He doesn't even do that. He gets intense to get you to understand. When he moves in, he's in. Woohoo! Praise God. But now I've got to deal with this other me. Renew the mind. Change the way I see. Change the way I think. Change the way I behave. Why? Because the new information will create the new me that's in me already. The benefit is, is I've already been created one with Christ. I am already righteous. Do you guys get this? All right. Let's keep moving right along. All right. So, First John, John 4, 9, by this, the love of God is manifested in us. <laughs> by this, the love of God is manifest, manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son to the world so we might live through him. So we might what? Live through him. All right. So we should have confidence now, right? We should have confidence. Now, let's move to the next step. We got the foundation that God's with us, Right? We got the three keys. These truths are very important. That is, God didn't give it to me. It's going to bring destruction in my life if I keep it in my life, right? And then God gave me abilities to overcome it. That's a win-win-win, right? I, I, I say we can close up shop right now. Go home and eat our tacos, whatever else you can eat. It's all good, right? I got a foundation that he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. He lives in me. That's my foundation, Right now, I'm in a secure place. You in a secure place? How about you, Livestream? You in a secure place? You guys in a secure place right now? I just gave you what God's word says. I'm feeling a little comfortable right now. I'm feeling good. But we're not going to stop there because now we're going to get to the, these, these keys. This information is going to help you understand how to defeat once and for all fear in your life. It's going to take one thing and understanding this one thing. It's called courage. Courage is the key. It's in scripture. It's written in here to show us the revelation of how do I overcome the, the opportunities to walk in fear. Because I, I, everybody in here can have opportunity. Everybody in here can have an opportunity to be in fear. Everybody. I can have all this understanding, all this knowledge, and fear can still try to get on me. Anybody in here like that? It, it, you got you know the word, but it still it still tries to get its nasty, ugly foot inside of your life. And I go step on its toe. But th- this is how we do it. I just showed you God's in you, right? Watch watch what God does to Joshua. Joshua, the story of Joshua is so, so important and vital for you to understand because it's the Old Testament picture of us being delivered from a bondage, slavery, not by our abilities, but by God, what Jesus did for us. I'm delivered. Next stage is delivered for what? Well, according to God, it's to move into promised land. It's move into what? Our covenant right as followers of Jesus, as his kids. Covenant right. 
we're, we're, our inheritance is royalty. And that's what we receive when we receive Jesus. So now my next position is what does God do? I deliver you out of Egypt. Okay, see ya. He didn't do that, did he? No. So the picture or the example I have is, is God now goes, I delivered you out of into. Everybody say out of into. So let's do it with some order. <laughs> say it again. That's what God's all about. He's always going out of into. He wants us to get out of into. What are you dealing with? He wants you out of into. You have problems in marriage, out of into, not out of marriage, into a new one. No, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. At all. Now, he says, out of and into your promised land, your covenant your ability to have things that's beyond, beyond. He's thinking, you're, moving, you're gonna move into houses you didn't build. You're gonna have farmlands and crops that someone else planted for you. I mean, it's so amazing what he's bringing us into, but the problem is, is we have such a slave mentality, we can't get to it. We've been slaves for a long time. God says, no, you can do this. And we're going, no, I've never been able to do it. What'd you just do? You said your truth is above his truth. We do it all the time. You know why? Because we hear through our identification. I can tell everybody in here, you guys, you don't understand how, how much a champion you are. You can overcome and have victory and everything. And you know what you do? You will talk yourself out of what that word says because that's your identity. Now, it's not the true identity, but that's yours. That God said, change. Right. Change it. How, how, why? Put a wand over me, God. Fix me, change me, do this. And that's that, the concept is so religious sounding and so cute, but it's wrong. And if you want the truth of what God does, he's gonna sit there and go, go look at the cross again. Is there anyone on there? No. He did all the work. It's finished. Let's get to work. Let's get busy. Are you guys hearing me? Let's get busy. God tells Joshua, Moses is gone. Joshua is getting ready to take the people in the promised land. And this is the words. This is his words. Ready? I will be with you. First thing, foundation. I will be with you. I will be with you. First thing he says to Joshua, you're going to take them in. I will be with you. I will be with you. I'm with you. I am with you. Foundation. What's your foundation? God is with me. So God told Joshua, he says, I'll be with you. And then he says this, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. Then he says what? Be courageous. There it is. So what I laid the foundation of, God's with you. What's the next step? Be courageous. Everybody say, be courageous. Turn to your neighbor and say, be courageous. Turn to the other neighbor and say, be courageous. You guys ready to be courageous? All right. We're going to look at this in seven courage concepts. Seven courage concepts. Number one, courage is simply stepping over fear. Courage is simply stepping over fear. Fear is going to try to convince you to submit to it. Courage says no. I'm done with you. Fear comes in, courage goes. Nope, we're over this. Do you guys hear me? Courage is simply stepping over fear. First John 4, 18, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now see, you've been made perfect love, it's sad. But what's it saying? It's saying, you haven't matured in the understanding of love, the God love. When you mature in the understanding of God love, you come to this church, you're gonna grow in understanding God's love for you. Not, not, not the, the wishy-washy emotional love, sold out God love. The love that looks at all your nastiness and still looks at you and goes, man, I love you so much. That's the love I want. That's, that's an awesome love. That's the love we all have because he said, I've given it to you. But I've got to mature, not the love, the love's perfect. I've got to mature my mind. 
Is that not a common sense principle? Is that a natural principle? Exactly. It's a spiritual truth, all right? Number two, everyone can see the problem. It takes courage to overcome it. Everybody can sit there and go, oh, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. Courage says, let's take care of it. Let's take care of it. Remember David? King David? The story of King David is the same. What you, Goliath? He didn't just jump onto Goliath and, and boom, he's dead. There's this whole picture of a group of people, soldiers, that should have defeated that enemy. But they couldn't do it because of fear. Fear sidelined them. Fear brought torment in their life. And they couldn't accomplish a task that was rightfully theirs. And by the way, when you get in that story, you will understand when it says, Soka, where they're gathered together in Soka, which belongs to Judah. In their own backyard, the devil's playing. Where's the devil playing? Is he in your backyard? You better kick that boy out. I'm telling you right now, do not let. Are you going to let a, a bad guy? You going to let stranger danger hang out in your house? You got your little kids in your house. They want to play outside. But no, no, no. You, you got an evil person in your backyard. It's okay. Is that what you're going to do? Is anybody in here going to be that way? Well, then what the heck? Oh, because it's church? Because this is Christian? We've got to quit this stuff. This is garbage. This is about life. It's not about church. It's not about Sunday. Those are, those are part of growing, maturing. But it's not about, it's about living life, people. And the quicker you get that, the quicker you're going to start transforming yourself better. You're not going to put on Christianese when you walk in the church. I'm going to be so good. Look, look how good I look. Look, look how I can wave my hand in worship. Isn't that special? I'm going to give you a little spiritual one, too. Look at that. Oh, man. So much better than what you can do. You know, it's crazy, but I've seen people that way. I've seen leaders that way. Not in this church, though. All right, number three. Courage speaks openly what others only whisper. Courage speaks openly what others whisper. In other words, courage has the ability to go, no, that's wrong. No, uh-uh. Instead of, hey, you got to yeah, this out It's not courage. It's not courage. Courage is the person going, what, what, what'd you say? It's so wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. It's wrong. It's not right. It's wrong. Exactly. Are you guys with me? All right. Number four. See fear correctly. See fear correctly. It's an open door for courage to go forth. For me to be courageous, there's got to be a purpose, right? Okay, so it, it's, it's the area of, for me to have faith, there's something happening. Do you understand that? For me to operate in faith, there's something coming against me. There's something I'm believing for. There's something attacking me. There's something doing something in my life, and now I need faith. I need faith. There's a promise of God being hindered. There's something happening. Faith now engaged. Faith, confident expectation. Well, I don't need confident expectation because there's other expectation trying to run my life. Confident expectation of things not seen. Faith is. Faith is. And it's telling me this picture of faith. Faith is, is not this... Let the good times roll. Everything's perfect. I got money in the bank. It's all good. All the bills are paid. You ain't walking in no faith. There ain't no faith to operate in. It's when things start happening that you have to stand up. Why do you think it's called the good fight of faith? The war of faith. We're rolling over. Think, that's the best time. When things are happening, man, we're like going, woo, faith man. I'm going to put on my marvel now of God's word. And so what happens is, is, is we look at this and we don't see it. 
So I get a, right now, if I get a, a, something, a, a fear, something comes in, you can't, or, or it ain't going to happen. It won't, it's not going to happen. And fear, I'm like going, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's an open door for me to be courageous. That's an open door for me to walk through and go, show my courage. Show my boldness now. Are you guys with me? Number five, courage is not careless or thoughtless. We're not talking about courage like you going Rambo on someone. You ever got that? Or is Rambo too far? What's Rambo? You know, The Rock or whatever, I don't know. The thing is, is this. Courage is not being operating in a life that has no wisdom or forethought. You will not see that in scripture. You'll see courage with the understanding of operating wisdom. Courage isn't going down to the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club kicking in the door going, y'all gotta get saved, you losers. All you're gonna be is dead. A dead, dead guy that knocked down the door. That's not what I'm talking. That's not courage. Do you guys understand? That's not, that's not the courage. Courage doesn't mean, you know, I'm gonna jump out of an airplane. I'm, I'm courageous. That's not what we're talking about. And if you wanna jump out of an airplane, that's on you, whatever. I'm just saying, that's not the courage we're talking about. We're not talking about that type of courage. We're talking about the courage for life, the courage and ability to overcome and win. The courage that says, you can't, but you say, I can. The courage, the courage to believe that God does have a plan for your life. The courage that says, you have a destiny. The courage that says, you should be the best father. You should be the best mother. You should be the best husband. You should be the best wife. You should be the best nana, whatever. Are you guys hearing me? You should be. That's being courageous. That is being courageous. David comes on the scene and all the arm of Israel is cowering in fear. Fear. The king of Israel. Saul is fear. And David comes on the scene. David is not an intimidating person. He's someone you leave in the back. He's not someone that you present before God as a champion. He's someone that, you know, let little David take care of the housework while I send my real sons in front of the king. And it, this is what David was. When you looked at David, you, you'd pass him over. Where, where's the champion? Where's that king? You wouldn't even look at him. And he'd be sitting there going, But I need you to see that picture because that picture is most of us. That picture is us. Insignificant. Oh, we have our moments. We're not going to change the world. Who are we? I'm, not, I'm here to tell you that's an out and out lie. I need you to get a world changing mindset. I need to change your attitude. I'm going to tell you right now, everything I'm telling you, will make you a great worker in your job. It'll make you a great husband, a great wife. It'll make you, it'll make you someone that, that has a life of integrity. This is what this will do to you. Why? Because it's not religious. It's life. And once you see it, and once you start experiencing it, God gave David an opportunity to show what was in his heart. And all he did is believe people. Because he believed, he wanted to put God first. That when the problem came, the giant came, David's only thought was, is how dare he? The courage and boldness in that little guy's life rose up to the place where others started to get built up. Number six, courage is contagious. You see, when David ran out there, not crazy man David, David ran out there with a focus and a vision and specifically picked up five smooth stones. He had a plan. And as he went out there, he let the enemy know what he planned on doing. He didn't let the, the giant started talking, but David goes, no, nah, this is how it's going to happen. See, he didn't let the mountain talk to him. He talked to the mountain. We got to start doing that. You guys got mountains talking to you. Sorry, 
Tell them to shut up. Be quiet. Silencio, por favor. No, callate. We're not trying to be good in manners toward that nasty thing. It's trying to make me lose. I got to get aggressive. Are you guys with me? David killed Goliath. You know what the next picture is? The men of Israel shouted, got all excited, and chased the enemy for 10 miles. <laughs> See that? Where were they before? Did I pee pee? Just that's what they were. Filled with stupid. <laughs> That's crazy, huh? In church. And what happened? They saw that little David. What's he doing? David. I'm going to kick your butt. Whoa! I guarantee you they're all going. Oh, they still don't know. David takes that big old glass sword. Whacks his head off. Then they're going, oh, yeah. Courage, courage. It's contagious. It's contagious. All of Israel couldn't do anything. David comes on the scene. We, don't, we, we miss this picture because of the story. But how about this one? Did, did Saul have a son? Did King Saul have a son? He certainly did. Where was his son? In fear. He was in fear. All of Israel was in fear. You know what the next stories we have after what David did? Saul's son, Jonathan tells his armor bearer, the Philistines are over there. Let's go kick some butt. We're going to go gangster on them. And him and his young guy that hung out with them, they go to the enemy, climb up a big, tall hill, and put some whooping on the Philistines. Where'd that come from? Courageous, being courage, being that show of, I'm not afraid, is contagious. He turned Jonathan into a giant killer because he didn't sit back and say someone else would do it. Number seven, what courage, with courage, what should be, will be. With courage, what should be, will be. And that's my confession, and that's my faith for every person in here and every person out there that is listening to this message. It's time to be courageous. It's time to be bold. And with this understanding, this knowledge we have, how can we not be? How can we not be? Listen, time to start here. Not there. Start here and we go forward. Not there. We don't live life looking in a rear view mirror. Time to look forward. Anybody with me on this? Yes. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the information that you have given us. Well, I believe it's, it's changed lives. It's changed my life, Father. And I thank you for the word. It's a living word that's impacting hearts of your people. It's impacting people that don't even know you yet. I'd like to give everybody in here an opportunity if you've never received Jesus, because this is what this is about. You, you be part of this family. You can operate in a greater life than you've ever had before, but you've got to get born. You've got to get into the family first. Anyone out there, if you've never received Jesus, here's your opportunity to receive Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord. It shall be saved. This is deliverance. This is where you get set free. This is where you become part of the family. What you do is say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. I accept you in my life. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. 
I accept you in my life right now. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are real, that you're alive. I acknowledge that this prayer is focused toward you because my faith in you. I receive you, Jesus, in my life right now. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me on the cross. This is what I do for you. I will live for you. And I thank you for your love and coming into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys, if there's anyone in here, you've never prayed that prayer, can you just lift your hand? Because I have something I want to give you. If you there, there we got. Just lift it up high because I have something I want to give you guys. It's a booklet that'll help you understand what the Bible says about what you just did. I want you to know the Bible. I don't want to take it for granted. I don't want you to, you know, guess on this. I just want to help you. And so many of you out there, many have received that, and I thank you for it. Uh, you can write me a check for $19.95. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm messing with you. It's all good. But if you out there, if you receive Jesus, get, send, us, send us a letter saying, I received Jesus. Here's my address. Send me one of those things. I will send it to you. And I promise you, the pastor of Love Life promises you, you're not going to get any other, please help us financially. You'll never get another letter from me. I know it's rough, but you won't get one from me from this point on. That's who I am. That's what I'm about. You receive Jesus, I'll send it to you. Love you guys, be blessed. See ya. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.